What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. This week, we are back with episode 138, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down tomorrow night, March 13th, 2021, headlined by Bilal Muhammad versus Leon Edwards. This 13-fight card takes place in the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it takes place in the small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of last week's card, that big 15-fight card, I only predicted 7 out of 15 fights correctly and lost 1.6 units on my official Bet MMA Tips page. Hopefully you didn't have a bad week as well. Hopefully you were able to listen to the podcast and extract some decent information and maybe make some good bets yourself but it was a losing week for me but we're just going to continue chugging on this week we got 13 more fights and the first of those fights takes place in the welterweight division we have matt semblesberger as the minus 123 favorite to jason witt as the plus 103 underdog this line seems about right to me these guys are pretty evenly matched they're both decent offensive strikers, they like hitting offensive takedowns, and they're both not very good in terms of defensive grappling. I would say Semmelsberger is actually the worst defensive grappler of the two. Just a few fights ago, we saw him getting taken down, spending multiple minutes on his back, jumping guillotines at bad times, and we've seen a lot of that throughout his regional footage. He has looked a little bit better in his past two fights, his two fights in 2020. He did stuff some takedowns. He did get his first UFC win over Carlton Minus, but Minus isn't a really good opponent. Witt is also coming off of a win over a bad opponent in Cole Williams. Witt dominated that fight with his takedowns, his top game. And honestly, I think that Wick could have success with his takedowns here. I expect the striking to be competitive, but I expect Semmelsberger to be the slightly better striker. I think he's a little more athletic. I think he has a bit more upside. He's the younger guy. I think he has less, or he definitely does have less MMA experience. And I think Witt is kind of the final product of what he is. So Semmelsberger does have a higher ceiling. He might come in here and surprise us. But with the takedown defense problems I've seen from Semmelsberger, I'm not ready to pick him here against a guy who does have decent takedowns, does have the ability to keep the fight on the floor. So I think Jason Witt is going to be my pick. I think he's going to hit takedowns. And if he does hit those takedowns, he could look like a big favorite. Uh, while I think if Semmelsberger wins, it's probably going to be a close marginal decision. So I'd say Witt at plus money is the side here. And my pick is going to be Jason Witt by decision. He might even pull off a submission as well. So look out for that submission prop. Um, I think it's around plus 600. So the pick for me is going to be Witt decision. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Gloria DePaula as the minus 190 favorite to Jin Yu Frey as the plus 165 underdog. I think this line seems a bit wide. I think people are kind of overrating DePaula coming off of her contender series win. She did look very good there. Her offensive striking looked good. But her regional fights before that, she did not look very good. She got taken down a lot. She looked like a sloppy grappler. And she also didn't have very good striking defense. She was kind of just winging punches, recklessly getting hit a lot. You really can see all of DePaula's weaknesses in her fight against Isabella DePauda. From just about two years ago, she has beaten two lower level opponents since then. She's looked good with her striking in those fights. She stuffed some takedowns. But if you go back to the last like UFC level opponents she's fought, DePauda, she really struggled and showed a lot of weaknesses there. So I'm hesitant to trust her at minus 190 here. On the other hand, her opponent, Jin Yu Fry, has had a pretty rough start to her UFC career. 
I think she's pretty skilled, but she's just a little undersized for this weight class. She usually fights at 105 pounds, and she's had some success in her UFC career, mostly against Kay Hansen, but just let that fight slip through her fingers, ended up getting taken down. But she showed decent takedown defense early on in that fight. She showed decent clinch and distance striking. I think she has the technique to compete in this matchup against DePaula. Frey just needs to increase the amount of strikes she throws upper volume, up the aggression a little bit, and I think that she could really win this fight. We even could see Frey hit offensive takedowns because DePaula's takedown defense has looked so bad. She looks bad off of her back. We actually have seen Frey hit takedowns and keep top position as recently as the Cummins fight, which I think was the fight before she entered the UFC, so not that long ago. So look out for Frey to maybe mix in a level change of her own here. I just think this fight will be competitive everywhere. I think DePaula should be a slight favorite here, maybe minus 150, minus 170. But where it's at now, I think it is dog or pass. I think at this line, you have to side with the dog here. So it's dog or pass. I think I'm going to still pick DePaula decision, but I really do expect this fight to be razor thin. And I think Freya has the potential to pull off the upset. So definitely dog or pass. I wouldn't be trusting DePaula at this price. The time to bet DePaula has passed. Ultimately, I will be picking Paula decision, but I will advise passing on her money line at this price. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have JJ Aldrich as the minus 154 favorite to Courtney Casey as the plus 134 underdog. I think this line is a little bit wide. I do agree with Aldrich being the favorite, but I think we could see closer to minus 130 being more appropriate here. I expect a close decision on either side here. These women are both pretty evenly matched. In the striking, I expect Aldridge to be the more effective striker. I think she's got the better boxing of the two, but Casey's tough. She keeps coming forward. She puts up striking volume of her own, so I expect the striking to be close between these two. I think Aldridge is the more likely one to hit offensive takedowns, but Casey is pretty active off of her back. She throws up submissions, but she does have very bad takedown defense, so we could see the game plan of Aldridge being to come in here and exploit that takedown defense, but even if it's on the feet, I slightly favor Aldridge, but I'm not going to advise laying the chalk on Aldrich at minus 150. I do expect her to win mostly with her boxing advantage here and landing the more effective strikes, but she's kind of inconsistent at times. Sometimes she only fights like seven or eight minutes of a fight well before she kind of loses it in the second half of the fight or something like that. So I really wouldn't recommend laying that chalk at minus 150, but I do expect her to win by decision. So Aldrich's decision is the pick here. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Nasrat Hackpress as the minus 475 favorite, taking on Hafa Garcia as the plus 375 underdog. Garcia is a short notice replacement coming in here to fight Hackpress, and I won't spend too much time on this fight because I do not expect it to be competitive. I kind of expect it to be a mismatch because Garcia looks very sloppy. His boxing is kind of loopy and wild. He does not have much defense. He mostly looks to get the fight to the floor, but he doesn't have good wrestling, he telegraphs his takedowns, and he doesn't even have a great top game when he gets the fight on the floor. So I think most of Garcia's wins have come over very inferior fighters to Hackbrass, and this should be a pretty easy fight for Hackbrass. I expect Hackbrass to stuff any takedowns to outbox Garcia at range. I will say that Garcia does look pretty tough. I've seen him eat some big shots, so I'm not entirely sure whether Hackbrass will knock him out or not, but Hackbrass does have power in his hands. I think he's the far superior fighter and I really probably do see a knockout coming here for Hackbrass so I'm gonna go with a round two knockout for Nasrat here and I think uh, you could probably find a way to parlay this fight maybe uh, turn in some profit somehow I actually do have a parlay I'll, I'll talk about it a little later with the second leg but Hackbrass is involved in one of the parlays so Hackbrass knockout round two is the pick here
This next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Haniaya as the minus 300 favorite to Ray Rodriguez as the plus 250 underdog. So I'm actually pretty interested in this fight from a betting perspective. I definitely agree that Yaya should be the favorite here. But if he does not get takedowns early on in this fight, I think he's going to be in deep trouble. I think Rodriguez is definitely the better striker of the two. He's younger, the better athlete at this point. And I did expect Rodriguez's takedown defense, his footage to not look good. But going into tape, I was actually kind of surprised. He is a decent defensive grappler. He can stuff a layer of two of takedowns. He has been taken down, spent some time on bottom before he's been submitted. But I actually don't think he's that bad of a defensive grappler. And Yaya, considering he's getting up there in age, he's past his prime. Most of his submissions are coming over really low-level fighters. And Rodriguez might be in that category. I might be miscategorizing him here. But I think that Rodriguez actually shows some promising things in terms of defensive grappling. I think he is a decent striker. So if he is able to land some hands on Yaya early, I could see him hurting and putting away Yaya. I could see him defending a takedown or two. Maybe even getting taken down, defending. And then in the later rounds, he could have the better cardio, be the fresher fighter, the better striker down the, the stretch. So I'm actually going to pick Rodriguez here as an underdog i'm kind of going out on a bit of a limb but i think that yaya is way past his prime he might get those early takedowns but i don't expect him to submit rodriguez and i think he's going to start to slow down in those later rounds we might see a knockout in those later rounds for rodriguez so pre-fight bets here i would go round two round three knockout for rodriguez those are like 21 to 1 and 31 to 1 odds and maybe even go some Rodriguez money line. I do expect Rodriguez to be a better price than the live lines. He might lose round one. But I still might add a small pre-fight money line bet to Rodriguez here. And then look to add more in the live lines if he survives. So the pick for me is going to be Rodriguez to weather that early storm. And to be the fresher fighter late and actually to knock out Yaya in the round three here. So the pick is going to be Rodriguez knockout round three. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Charles Jordan as the minus 255 favorite to Marcelo Rojo as the plus 215 underdog. I'd say this line is a bit wide because Charles Jordan at minus 250 is just a hard price tag to cover. He's a pretty reckless and wild fighter who tends to make bad decisions in his fights. So if he doesn't get a knockout in the first few minutes here, I definitely think he makes some questionable decisions and doesn't look like a good bet at minus 250 here. Rojo is making his UFC debut, and I haven't seen anything too impressive from him. He's an orthodox striker. He does have some decent striking. He looks like a composed striker. I did see Rojo have trouble getting taken down and stuck on bottom versus John Castaneda, a fellow UFC fighter. And he also was kind of struggling with the southpaw striking of Castaneda, which could be relevant here because Jordan is another southpaw. After doing some tape on Rojo, I did expect Jordan to be the slightly better striker than him, but... After re-watching Jordan's last fight against Koulibao, I also expected Jordan to be a much better striker than Koulibao, but that didn't really come to fruition. Koulibao dropped Jordan really hard in round one, had him hurt bad. I think it's a possibility that Jordan is just not that good of a striker and could be kind of getting overrated after that Duhu Choi knockout. I expect the striking between these two to be close. I think Jordan is probably the slightly better striker, but at minus 250, I'm not willing to trust him at that price. Rojo doesn't look like a great prospect or anything. 
He tends to really struggle with getting taken down, but Jordan is not really the type to hit offensive takedowns, so I don't really think this is a terrible matchup for Rojo to make his UFC debut. Even though he is moving up in weight, he might be a bit undersized, but I think he has the striking skill to make this fight competitive and enough to make it a dog or pass situation. So I will pick Charles Jordan to win a close decision here, but I'm going to advise passing and saying that a dog here is probably the side to be on in terms of money line bets. So pick his Jordan decision. Next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Angela Hill as the minus 375 favorite to Ashley Yoder as the plus 310 underdog. I talked about this fight just a few weeks ago when the fight was scheduled. I analyzed the whole thing, but I'll try to briefly do it again here. This fight is a rematch. Angela Hill did win the first fight. Ashley Yoder did take Hill down at certain times, but even Hill back then was able to stand back up from the takedowns. I say back then because she wasn't that good of a defensive grappler back then. I think she has made some pretty decent improvements in her takedown defense since then. So I think Yoder getting her down here is going to be even more challenging. And even if Yoder does get Hill down to the mat, she's proven to not be able to do much with that top position. She's actually got reversed and put on bottom by Angela Hill before. So I don't think the chances of Yoder getting any offensive grappling going here is good. And in the first fight, Angela Hill pretty firmly won the striking. She was landing more strikes, the more damaging strikes. And she won pretty much every round on all three scorecards. And considering that I think that Hill has just gotten better as a fighter, as a striker, as an overall mixed martial artist, I haven't really seen those same type of improvements in Ashley Yoder's game. So I don't expect this fight to be any different than the first fight. I think that Ashley Hill, or Angela Hill could actually win by a wider margin. So I do think that Angela Hill deserves his price tag. It seems kind of wild. She's not the most reliable or dominant fighter. So putting her at around 75 to 80% seems wild. But when you watch the first fight, the Considering this is a rematch, we have a pretty good idea of how the fight's going to go. And I think Angela Hill probably does cover her price tag here at around 80%. So I expect her to either win a dominant decision or a late TKO. I think I'm going to go with decision as my official pick, Angela Hill 30-27. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Darren Stewart as the minus 180 favorite to Eric Anders as the plus 155 underdog. I agree with where this line is at now. I think that we could even see Stewart as a bigger favorite, honestly, because I do think that Stewart is the much better fighter, and I pretty heavily favor him here. Stewart should honestly be coming off of a win against Kevin Holland. There was some pretty bad judging there. I had Stewart winning, his round, winning rounds one and three pretty clearly in that one, so pretty unhappy with the judging there. And looking at Anders' last fight against Christoph Jocko, man, he looked terrible in that fight. He looked slow at range, wasn't really throwing enough strikes. He was getting easily pushed back to the fence, getting cage pushed for multiple minutes at a time. He just had no urgency in that fight. So very bad showing from Eric Anders there. And Darren Stewart likes to cage push. He likes to look to hit takedowns. He likes to kind of wear on his opponents in the clinch there. So I expect Stewart to have some good cage pushing time. He might even hit an offensive takedown. And at range, I just think that Stewart throws more strikes he's gonna land harder Anders doesn't really react too well to getting hit and Stewart does hit pretty hard so we might even see a Stewart knockout or some power shots from Stewart land so I wouldn't go with the Stewart decision prop I would probably just play his money line I think he could win all three ways honestly Stewart actually has some pretty sneaky submissions as well so Anders I don't like his chances here he hasn't been looking good lately 
His record overall is kind of weak. He hasn't beaten that many good fighters, and he's kind of pretty consistently in close split decision type of fights. So if Anders wins this one, it's going to be a close split decision type of fight, while I think Stewart has the potential to dominate and to win this one clearly. So I like Stewart here. I think there's value left on his minus 180 money line, and the pick for me is going to be Stewart. I'm going to go with decision overall, but I think a knockout or a submission is honestly possible here. So Stewart decision will be the official pick. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Menel Cape as the minus 121 favorite, taking on Mateus Nicolau as the plus 101 underdog. By the way, all these lines I am quoting are from Bet Online Sportsbook. That's where all the lines throughout the podcast have been. In this matchup, Nicolau is getting the more action, and I agree with that. I think he deserves to be probably a slight favorite here. Cape did not look very good in his UFC debut. He was kind of tentative at range. He was able to stuff takedowns of Pantoja, avoid getting out grappled, even hit a few own brief takedowns of his own, but he just didn't pull the trigger enough at range. He didn't let his hands go. So kind of an underwhelming debut from him there. Mateus Nicolau is coming back to the UFC after getting cut. He went like 3-1 in the UFC, but then was cut too early. Went out, won a few fights, looked pretty good in them. I thought he looked honestly improved. He was... Mostly a counterpuncher in his UFC time. He waited on his opponents to come to him before he threw strikes, but he was actually leading a little bit more in his brave FC fights. He looked good there. Nikolaus, a skilled boxer. He can hit takedowns. He's got good submission games as well. So Nikolaus really skilled everywhere, and I think I give slight advantages to Nikolaus everywhere. We've seen Cape be very susceptible to getting taken down, and I think Nikolaus could possibly hit takedowns and get some top time here. And even on the feet, I think Nikolaou has got some good power in his hands. He's got solid technique. He throws a lot of leg kicks. And Cape doesn't really check leg kicks too much. Pantoja landed a lot of leg kicks on Cape. So I think if Nikolaou is able to land leg kicks, he's able to mix in his boxing, maybe a takedown or two, I think he could win this fight. And I think he could look like the favorite out there. So I wouldn't be willing to trust Cape as a favorite coming off of that questionable performance. And Nikolaou is a great fighter. Nikolaou might be a better fighter than Pantoja at this point. So I think Nikolaou as an underdog is the side to be on and he is worth a bet. I have a one unit bet tracked on Nikolaou at plus 116. And my official pick is going to be Mateus Nicolau by decision, but I honestly could see him winning by knockout submission or decision here. So I think money line is the way to go, although I am picking Nicolau decision. The next fight takes place in the bantamweight division. We have Jonathan Martinez as the minus 325 favorite, taking on Davy Grant as the plus 275 underdog. This line might be a tad wide where it's at now, but I do think that Martinez does deserve to be a pretty hefty favorite. 75% does sound about right to me. Martinez is the younger, faster, much better striker in this matchup. He doesn't have the greatest takedown defense, and Davy Grant can't hit offensive takedowns, but Davy Grant doesn't have really much of a top game. His opponents tend to stand back up pretty quickly once they get taken down, so I don't see Grant really having the top control to take down Martinez and to hold him down for two out of three rounds and to submit him. I think Grant's best chance to win the fight is by using his unconventional boxing his boxing combinations to rock Martinez on the feet and possibly knock him out. Grant does have some power. He won his last fight by knockout. That was a great fight by him. He got knocked down in round one there. He battled back. He had a really competitive fight with Day. He found out what worked with that left hook 
and was able to knock him out cold in round three there. So it was a great performance from Grant, but his striking is really unconventional, man. He kind of dips his head. He leans into his shots. He's very reckless in terms of his defense, but he throws hard punches. He wings combinations together, and he can be effective at times. But Martinez is definitely the better overall striker. He's much more technical. I really would love watching Martinez strike. He's a fun southpaw striker. He's got a powerful left kick. He's got great counter knees. He used those really well in the fight against Sainz, and he's coming off of probably the best victory of his career against Thomas Almeida. Martinez outstruck Almeida in every round, won that fight 30-27, and really proved that he might be a top 15 bantamweight. And you also kind of got to think, Almeida is probably a better striker than Davy Grant, and Martinez was still able to shut him out in the striking, so... Davy Grant's chances of landing a knockout here or landing that big punch are pretty slim, but I mentioned he is very unconventional. He's a wild fighter. He bites the mouthpiece and comes forward, so he might be able to pull off that upset if he lands that big punch, but I think Martinez is probably going to be stinging him with strikes, countering him hard, especially to the body with those knees, and I think there's a good chance to be seeing Martinez get a knockout here. Martinez has legit power. Grant is very hittable. He's very reckless in terms of his defense, and I think that we could see Martinez get a knockout here, so I'm probably going to go with knockout as my pick let's go with knockout round two for martinez in terms of money line i would say it's passed at this point minus 325 there's no value there but martinez knockout at plus 270 i do think there is value there so check out that martinez knockout prop and that's going to be my pick martinez knockout round two the next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Dan Ige as the minus 156 favorite to gavin tucker as the plus 136 underdog I think this line is a bit wide where it's at now. I think EA definitely deserves to be a slight favorite here. Maybe minus 130 would be more appropriate. But where it's at now, I think the betting value is on Tucker. First off, we got to say what a great fight. Probably the best matchup on the car and even better than the main event. I cannot wait for this fight. This is definitely a step up in competition for Gavin Tucker. He's been looking good against kind of non-top 15 level guys, while Ige has been really battling a lot of top 10 guys, top 5 guys actually, and he's been holding his own, even winning some of those fights. So I think it's definitely a step up in competition for Tucker, but I think he's ready for it. I think he's proved that he's a really well-rounded mixed martial artist. He's a tricky southpaw striker. He's very good in the clinch. He can throw good clinch strikes, and he can actually mix in takedowns really well from that clinch as well and keep top position and submit you on the floor. So I think he's really well-rounded, and I think he could present some problems for Ige here. Besides an experience advantage for Ige, I think he does have a boxing advantage as well. I think he is the better boxer of the two, a lot more skilled in the pocket. He has some good power, especially in round one. And we have seen Tucker drop before by Justin James, who is not really a great fighter. We saw him get rocked a lot by Rick Glenn back in the day. So it's possible that we see Ige possibly land on the chin and hurt Tucker here. But I think Tucker is not going to really give that pocket boxing range to Ike. I think he's going to be constantly moving inside, trying to get the fight in the clinch, trying to look to hit takedowns, where Ike has not looked too great off of his back. Ige does have good takedown defense. He's hard to get down on the floor, but once you get him on the mat and you get his shoulders on the mat, he's not very good at getting up to his back. We've seen him get stuck on his back for pretty long periods of time versus Jordan Griffin, versus Kevin Aguilar, versus Mursad Bektik. And some of those opponents aren't too good. Griffin and Aguilar spending time on your back versus those guys. Losing rounds to those guys is not a good look in terms of the career for Dan Ige. I honestly expect this fight to be close wherever it goes. I do give Dan Ige a slight striking advantage. I mentioned that he has the better pocket boxing of the two. But Tucker's a tricky southpaw striker. He's very skilled of his own right. So I think that we could see Tucker possibly edge the striking here as well. 
In the grappling, I give Tucker a slight advantage. I think he's got the better takedowns of the two. I think he's a little more safe on the ground. Ige is a pretty reckless grappler. He gets in a lot of reckless exchanges. He gets on top. He loses that position. He goes back and forth on the ground a lot. While I think Tucker is a lot more cautious. He likes getting a takedown, keeping top position. He doesn't have the greatest top position, but as I mentioned, with how bad Ige has looked off of his back, I think that if Tucker gets takedowns, he could keep those takedowns for two, three, four minutes. They could be a round stealer. They could be a fight stealer. So I really think the grappling could be the X factor here in this fight. And that's kind of why I'm leaning towards Gavin Tucker here. I just think he has more tools here. I think he has more ways to win the fight. I think he could make the fight competitive, maybe even win the striking at distance. He could use his clinch skill to get inside, to push Ige against the cage, to land clinch strikes, and look to hit those trip takedowns that he's so good at. And if he gets the fight to the floor, I do think that we will see Tucker be the better top position grappler, keeping top position and winning minutes with that top control. So I like Gavin Tucker to win this fight. It is a very competitive fight. I respect Ige a lot. I'm not quite writing Ige off. I think he should be a slight favorite here. Maybe minus 130 plus 110 would more, be more appropriate. So there is some slight betting value on Gavin Tucker. I wouldn't go crazy. Maybe only a unit, one and a half units because it is pretty marginal. It should be a close competitive fight. Ige definitely has ways to win, but I think Tucker has more ways to win, and he's ready for this uh, step up in competition. So the pick for me is going to be Gavin Tucker by decision. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Misha Serkinov as the minus 130 favorite to Ryan Spann as the plus 110 underdog. I think this line is right. I think that we can actually see Serkunov as a bit of a bigger favorite, honestly. But it's a very volatile fight. Both guys are kind of fragile. They've both been knocked out in round one a few times. I think this fight mainly has two outcomes, and that is Ryan Spann by knockout or Misha Serkunov by submission. In the striking, I do think that Serkunov is probably the more skilled striker, but Spann is more athletic. He's more powerful. He's probably more durable as well. Serkunov doesn't really react too well to getting hit. So I think Serkunov will be looking to hit, take this fight to the floor, looking to hit takedowns. We have seen Span taken down before, most recently by Devin Clark. And I think that Serkunov is a better top position grappler, a better submission grappler than Devin Clark. So I think Serkunov hitting takedowns, getting top position, and possibly getting in a position where he could submit Span is probably the most likely outcome. But if Span... If Serkunov doesn't get those early takedowns and gets stuck in the feet, he's probably going to get knocked out by a big punch from Span at some point. But Span is not really good at anything. He should have won that Johnny Walker fight in his last fight, but he really messed up that fight, made so many dumb decisions, and kind of just ran into elbows going for that dumb takedown. So both these guys are susceptible to making bad mistakes in the octagon. I could see that happening here and either guy getting finished. This fight definitely should end by finish. Serkunov has not gone to decision in about 10 years. He really is a killer to be killed fighter. So I think it should probably be Serkunov sub round one or span KO round two. I'm going to lean with the submission, the takedown skills of Serkunov. I think that span's takedown defense is not very good and we will see Serkunov take him down and likely submit him at some point. So the pick for me is going to be Misha sub round one wouldn't go crazy in the money line because I mentioned it is such a volatile fight but at this price I think it is Serkunov or pass the value is still in the favorite here so the pick once again Serkunov sub round one the next fight takes place in the welterweight division and it is the main event of the card we have Leon Edwards as the minus 250 favorite to Bilal Muhammad as the plus 210 underdog 
I think that Leon Edwards probably deserves to be a bigger favorite here, honestly. I think this is a good matchup for him. And there are some questions around Leon Edwards considering the long layoff. He hasn't fought in about 20 months since July of 2019 was his last fight. But he was supposed to fight in March of last year. That fight got canceled because of COVID. He got COVID himself. He was supposed to fight Chimaev a few times. So Edwards has been ready to go for a while now. His fights have just been getting canceled because of bad luck. Uh, so I don't think the layoff is too big of a concern, honestly. I think that Edwards is still probably in his prime. I think he's still likely an elite fighter. Rewatching that Hafeo Dos Anjos fight just reminded me about how great of a fighter Leon Edwards is. He's a good distance striker, he's a great clinch striker, and he's a great grappler both offensively and defensively. He's very hard to take down, he's hard to keep on his back once you get him down, and he can actually hit top takedowns and keep top position of his own. Leon Edwards is just incredibly well-rounded, and he hasn't fought in a while, so people are starting to forget a little bit, but I really think he is an elite fighter. He could be a potentially top 15 pound-for-pound fighter, and I think this is a good matchup for him to prove it. Bilal Muhammad is a solid test. He's a good fighter. I have a lot of respect for Bilal. He's been very active lately, racking up wins, but I don't think this is a good matchup for him. Looking at Bilal's outcomes to win, I don't see him being able to take down Leon Edwards considering that Bilal had a tough time taking down Diego Lima in his last fight. Lima has had pretty historically bad takedown defense, but he was stuffing pretty much all of Bilal's takedowns. I think he got taken down in the very last minute or two of that fight, but he stuffed like 10 takedowns up until that point, and Edwards has proven that he is very hard to take down, he's extremely hard to hold down, and he's really hard to take down against the cage, and that is where Bilal Muhammad shoots most of his takedowns, so I don't think getting offensive takedowns is going to be a reliable path for Bilal Muhammad. I think if anybody is hitting takedowns in this fight, it's going to be Leon Edwards hitting takedowns and keeping top position. Another possible way for Bilal to win is by knockout, but I think this is very unlikely considering that Bilal doesn't really hit too hard. He's not really known for having power in his strikes, and Edwards has been rocked. He did get hurt by Brian Barberina most notably, so it's not completely out of the question, but I would consider it pretty unlikely for Bilal to get a knockout here. So considering I don't think a knockout or grappling is a path to victory for Bilal, he's going to have to win this fight at distance with his striking volume, and I do think he throws more distance strikes. I'm not sure what the statistics say on that one, but I do think that we can count on Bilal to throw more strikes when they're at distance, but I just think that gives Leon more opportunities to counter, more opportunities for Leon to time Bilal, and likely get the fight in the clinch where Leon Edwards should have his biggest advantage of the fight. He is probably the best clinch striker in all of the UFC, right up there with Peter Yan, honestly. He has great timing on his elbows, on the exit from the clinch. He's got great knees to the body, and he can just do all types of amazing stuff in the clinch. And in terms of the clinch from Bilal Muhammad, we haven't seen good things. We saw Lyman Good had a lot of success in the clinch, landing knees from that collar tie. And the clinch is where we see Leon Edwards doing the most damage. He dropped Gunnar Nelson with an elbow. He cut up RDA really bad with those elbows. He is really one of the best elbow fighters in all of MMA right now. So I think he has a lot of success with his knees and elbows in the clinch. He might even decide to hit takedowns and keep top position on Blah Muhammad if he so chooses. So just to recap everything, when these guys are at striking range, at distance, I think Bilal will be throwing more strikes, but I think Leon will be landing the more effective strikes. He will be getting into this fight into the clinch where I think he has a pretty significant clinch striking advantage. And I think if Leon wants to, he should be able to hit takedowns 
and keep top position. I think Leon is able to stuff any takedowns that Bilal tries, and this really should be Leon Edwards' fight to win. I think this is a good matchup for him. It's kind of a step down in competition, honestly, from Rafael Dos Anjos. So I respect Bilal Muhammad for coming in here on short notice and taking the fight, but I don't think it's a good matchup for him. And I think that Leon Edwards is able to outstrike Bilal pretty soundly here to either a wide decision or possibly a late knockout. I know that Edwards isn't really known for his power, but with those elbows, those cuts that he causes on his opponents, I think that we could see a late 4-5 stoppage here. So Edwards' 4-5 decision is going to be my pick. That prop is available at some places at minus 140. But even Edwards' money line, I think there is value left at minus 250. I think this should be closer to minus 300. And if Leon had fought a bit more recently, I think that we could actually be seeing closer to minus 400 for Leon Edwards here. I think this is a really good matchup, and I think the Bilal's ways to win are really limited. He's going to have to put on the best fight of his career and win three out of five rounds, in my opinion. And I just do not see him doing so versus the superior striker and fighter in Leon Edwards. So the pick is going to be Leon Edwards by decision. I think Bilal is probably tough enough to stay in there and not get finished in rounds four and five and make it to round five. So let's go with... A 49-46 decision for Leon Edwards here as the official pick. So that is going to do it for this podcast. I broke down all 13 fights on tomorrow night's card. I have some official track bets already on my Bet MMA Tips page. Make sure you go check them out, and I probably will add some more in the next 24 hours. So make sure you subscribe and follow my Bet MMA Tips page. Follow me on Twitter at UFO underscore UFC. And thank you all for listening to the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed the fights this weekend. Hope you all win some bets, and I will see you before the next UFC event next week. Peace.